0: Hi everybody, I'm Debbie Montgomery Johnson, founder of the nonprofit The Woman Behind the Smile, and your host of Stand Up and Speak Up, a show that is about each and every one of us. Many of us have something, something we're hiding, something we're ashamed of, something not through no fault of our own or through our own making we keep hidden, and that in turn keeps us hidden from each other and the world. Good people go through terrible situations, wise people know when and how to let it go. Everything that happens to us helps us grow, and while it may be hard to see it right away, the most important thing to do is to change your perception about your circumstances. Regardless of what your personal experiences or traumas have been, this showcase series is designed to ignite the light in you, as well as providing safe harbor, education, personal growth, and resources so that no matter where you are on your journey, you'll have the courage to move on when you're ready. Stand Up and Speak Up features ordinary people who've been through extraordinary situations, and struggles, and found the courage to step out from behind their smiles and speak up about their experiences, and the lessons gleaned from those experiences. Everybody heals at a different pace, and we recognize that. So come on in, have a listen, and enjoy the ride at your own speed.
1: It's another day in paradise, and I love to say that for my Canadian friends. There's no Canadians on this call right now, but we have folks from Taiwan. We have folks from Finland. We have folks from Texas, another country. <laughs> Love to say <laughs> that for my Texas friends. But you guys, we're coming here from South Florida. It's another beautiful day, and I'm so excited to be hosting this episode of Stand Up and Speak Up, an international version with an extraordinary advocate for change, my friend Alina Yusola. Alina, welcome to Stand Up and Speak Up. Thank you
2: very much. I'm very excited to be with you and
1: sharing our sister stories. Yeah. Who would have figured 10 years ago we would be in this position? But, you know, it's all turned out for the good. And I'm really pleased that you and I have met through the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scam or SCARS. Yes. Um, I'm on the board of directors. You're one of our international advisors. We've done a lot of work together. And I was just looking at the interview that you and Dr. Tim McGinnis and I did, and I just laughed. I'm like, it is. we have so much in common, even though we live so far away from each other. And I just felt at that point that we needed to speak a little bit more because the word's not getting out enough about what's happening with relationship fraud. And so that's why I brought you to my show. Welcome, welcome. What I'd like to do, I do this with all my guests, we're going to do this just briefly because I really want to get into the meat of our conversation. I want people to know who you are, Alina. Where did you grow up? Tell me a little bit about your family. Well, I grew up in Finland, actually in
2: Lapland, just where the Santa Claus is. Because, you know, of course, he's not in South Pole, he lives in Finland. (laughs) There you go. And his wife, too. So I was born in that time, in exactly in Rovaniemi where 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 he lives and um, and when I was 16 I moved to Australia to live with my grandparents. So I have I I have I'm a citizen of two countries and my mindset is um, with two countries. And I actually went to uh, university in Sweden. So I've I've been in different places have different kind of experiences.
1: Well, that's wonderful. Seems- I'm a historian. You grew up with your grandparents.
2: Do you have any siblings? I have a, do- I have a sister, Mia, who
1: lives um, who lives
2: not very far. F- like in Finland, nobody's very far from each other. Okay. And um, I, I've been living in Australia for quite a while. But three years ago, before Corona, we moved to Finland with my, do- with my, my youngest daughter. And because of Corona, we never got back to Australia. And now that we've settled, we are, we've settled being here. Okay. And uh, so it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. And uh, in here, I have my two sons, my eldest son and my youngest son. So, and they are living, like, not very far from me. <laughs> so I can basically walk to see them. Oh, <laughs> I am really, really happy about that. That's and really as you nice. See, as you can see. This is Finland in, in spring, and uh, it's very, very nice. We are now having all this green, uh, green here. I, I, what I do is that I take care. I'm a carer for my youngest daughter, who is in wheelchair and has a very, uh, uh, very um, rare epilepsy. So this is this gives me time to do writing and to do things what I want to do. But as an uh, at university, I study history and
1: business. So, well, you've had you've had an extraordinary life, and I'm so pleased to hear that you're around your kids. I'm I have four four kids, three three sons and a daughter, and the youngest is nearby, about an hour. But everybody yes. else is across the world, and exactly, I still have one daughter in Australia. Well, thank goodness for Facetime, and we get to see them a little bit. But yes. Uh, your family was very involved in, in your story, uh, whereas mine, exactly. yeah, mine I basically pushed them out. So let's just jump in because I, to, I named your story Love on the Line, which is actually the name of your book, Love on the yeah. Line. Yeah, love. Can you yep. see it? Love on the Line. I can see in the back and I've got it out on the, on the thing. Uh, this happened, your story happened not long after mine did back in two years was 2014 I believe yeah tell me how this happened let's just jump right into it because this is a a survivor story an advocate story we don't get to hear much from the survivors most folks are not like you and me that they don't want to really speak up in public but I think it's very important that we get the message out so that people understand it's happening to men and women around the world no matter how educated how well financed how well trained we are it can happen to anybody and tell me tell me basically where you were in your life when you decided to get into uh, an online relationship well uh i was not in a very very good situation
2: because i i was very ill um, I had my mother had died uh, just before that and uh, I, I was diagnosed with, um, with uh, fibromyalgia and I couldn't walk. Basically, I was so ill and, um, and I was very depressed and I was basically thinking that I will not live past my 60th year. Uh, and uh, my, my daughter was my, both of my daughters were telling me, hey, mom, you have to meet somebody. Now you have to do something, you know. And I was, and I thought, well, okay. And I, and um, I, uh, I wanted something in my life, something like happiness, because I was so depressed. And um, and I joined a, a dating site, which was supposed to be secure, because I did pay for it, actually. So it wasn't in any kind of uh, social media site or just wherever. I had thought about it and um, I saw a joint in in May or in the beginning of the May and I did meet some of the people actually. I went and had coffee with a couple of guys and then uh, there was this person um, uh, writing to me. uh, Well, one person was from Texas, by the way, who said he was an (laughs) engineer and uh, he had, of course, he was a widower and had children and whatever and I was quite sure he was a scammer. Okay, so um, so I met this man. I thought he was living actually, uh, or he was born near where I was in Australia at the time, and um, so I thought it was quite okay, and he was very nice, and he he had actually he was uh, in Afghanistan, and uh, we started we started chatting, and um, and um, he turned out to be a scammer. So he, he became my my scammer <laughs> and uh, yeah, I think that it was very interesting, uh, like from the behind now when I'm thinking it backwards, I think it was interesting of how quickly, how quickly, you know, your um, your uh, emotions change from wherever you are, like from depression to heights and then all your, uh, you know, and so it only took a couple of weeks before I was sort of in love. And he was telling me that how, how much he loved me. And if you were in the real world, you would think that, you know, that's, a, that's very weird. <laughs> but was. my grandmother actually had lived in Australia, uh, went to Australia um, from Finland and became came married. And she had written uh, letters to Australia for three years and never met the guy. And then she went there and got married immediately. So I, we had this kind of a experience before that. <laughs> so I knew that, you know, you can meet people with not seeing them.
1: Absolutely. I have. A, it's yeah. interesting. Your daughters were very supportive of you getting into this online relationship. Can you explain? Yeah, they were. My you elder know. daughter actually did did tell me that you know this is this seems to be
2: too good to be true. And that, you know, I should be careful, but my other daughter said, no, no, mum, she, she calls her every day and he calls her every day and they, they talk and then and, and she's heard about it and everything. So, uh, so uh, but both of them and my sons who were then in England and in Finland, they were also supportive. Until I, until I sent them, uh, I got the ask and right. um, I sent him money. And then I asked my son in England to, to to um, investigate.
1: Okay, hold on, hold on, hold that that thought for a second, because I'm going back to much. I think about when I got involved. My husband had died six months later. It was my friends that were saying, "You need a life. You need." Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. (laughs) Right, and so it's our (laughs) okay friends. I always say that we need a dating buddy, but. The dating buddies need to be the people that are a little more objective because my friends were like you or your family. And my mom even, I I even talked to my mother and she was so excited because one of her girlfriends who was in her probably late seventies, early eighties had met a gentleman, they met in person and then, well, they met online, but then they met in person and they ended up getting married. So my mom's experience was positive. All my girlfriend's experiences were positive. I yes, it was, it was my,
2: my my except I had a two fr- good friends who had married their uh, the persons they had found. My son actually has married a person is married still to a very lovely lady who she met to who he met you know online. Everyone else in
1: my experience has got it. Nobody else has had a, <laughs> a scammer. Well, that's what I wondered. Had you ever heard of? Online dating scams prior to your experience.
2: Ah, that was not. I, I don't I don't think that I had actually paid any attention, and I did think because I had uh, I had gotten into a dating thing which I was paid which I paid for that it was safe. But before that, I had been in another dating place where which was actually an American place where you had to pay quite a lot. And I had met these people, and I think, like, really, that that was a scam. A lot of money was was taken away from you, and 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 not nothing came of it. And they didn't really choose anybody who you would find. So I was quite, quite, quite disappointed with those two.
1: What is interesting, I'm thinking back to the dating sites that I had gone onto. Again, I'd been on a faith-based site, thinking it was safe. I don't recall getting any pop-ups or any security alerts saying, you know, be careful, be aware, there are scammers on sites. I it's tucked into the fine print. So, in as we as advocates, you know, I want public service announcements out there saying, especially over fifty, be careful. This is happening. These are the the signs. That doesn't happen on on. Date, that would like- be
2: really good in Australia. At that time, we had uh, they they started being alerts afterwards, and really? um, because I went to this group with the police in Queensland, and um, with there I met quite a few people who also had been scammed, and um, they did they did take it up with these um, dating sites, and particularly one of the dating sites. Started to be very, very good, and they started really finding
1: out what's happening
2: behind the scenes.
1: Do you think people really listen to tales of beware?
2: Well, I don't think so because you know, even though you say that okay, they are scammers, and they people become like, oh no, it doesn't happen to me because you know, I'm so good, and they they become quite um quite arrogant about it, and then they like look, look to those people who have been scammed, that like those people are stupid to make them feel bad. But I don't think that when you are actually in that situation yourself and you meet somebody, which you don't, even if you don't see them, and particularly if you don't see them, because you can say things much easier without seeing these things, these people. And when your hormones start going up and all these, you know, uh, the brain... Uh, brains and and dopamine and everything starts coming up in your mind and you become excited. I don't think you give anything, like give a damn about them or whatever, whoever says,
1: because it's all about your bliss. I agree with that because I remember my kids saying, Mom, don't, don't, don't. And I'm like, hey, I'm the adult, leave me alone. And all those... In addition to the feelings that, you know, when you're 16 and you're dating, that you're not pretty enough, smart enough, all that. I was like, okay, I'm 52. I can probably get over that. But just the excitement of somebody listening and caring. And for me, it was safe that he wasn't here because I wasn't ready for somebody in person. Yeah. But I wasn't (laughs) anticipating I wasn't anticipating someone taking. Yeah, a- and one of the things
2: which I think is that because they do agree on everything you do. Mm-hmm.
1: In my book, I have a whole
2: uh, chapter about it. How they do, they they everything you say, they take a clue out of that, you know. And it, it it doesn't matter how long you go and what what your what your opinion is, they will also always agree. And it's lovely hearing somebody agreeing whatever you think. You know, and it's uh, like, all the time, they never say no, they never, there's never a word which would be, uh, which would be cross. And of course that, contrib- that contributes uh, to the, uh, to the double going up and your excitement.
1: And that also is a very good trick at getting your brain to agree. Well, that's true because then they start isolating you from others that are the naysayers. Yeah. You know, have not thought about it. You're only listening to someone that is very positive and encouraging you to do what you're doing. Hadn't thought about that, but that is definitely what happened to me. And and I justified the red flags, I actually call them pink flags. Yeah. Because they didn't stop me. They just might have slowed me down. Did you have any times when you kind of got that gut impression that? Maybe this isn't right, or did it? Was it just happening so quickly? You just went along yeah, with it. Yeah. The only, only
2: thing I, I thought it was, was the picture, because uh, this, this um, person who was talking to me, he said he was 185 centimeters tall, which is pretty tall. That's like six foot one. And I looked at this picture and I thought he's not that tall. He's actually quite a small man.
1: Was in he a in a mili- He was in a military uniform.
2: Yeah. In that little bit, in that picture, but the, but the person was talking to me and telling me that he was like six foot one. You were talking. And then, about- so I, I was thinking about it, that this is not really um, in my mind, but I, did, it, I didn't care about it. I, I, I went like, okay. <laughs> and actually, which is very funny, is that I used to be in um, women, women, okay, like, you know, the peace movement, women's peace movement in the 80s. Okay. And I was really, really active in the women's peace movement in, in the 80s and 90s, whenever we had that. And I went to every every you know, demonstrations and I did I was in America, I was everywhere around the world doing it, and I rejected army people. Wow. Like out of even that. And I was able to talk myself into speaking to this man.
0: Even well, though that he
2: was an army person, it's the uniform. Like yours is different story because your family is from the in the army. Exactly, you know, mine wasn't. I know it, I was rejecting it, like you know,
1: by principle. Well, there's something about the uniform. It's very trustworthy. You know, you're 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 assuming that that person in uniform is going to be someone of honor and of trust. And we've talked a lot about this on Scars about. The, uh, the stolen valor and and impersonation. And, and just, be, I put a little video up yesterday. If he's in a uniform, if he pretends to be a pilot, if he pretends to be in the military and then asks you for money or a phone or gift card, it's a scammer. The yeah. military guys will not ask. They will not. That's right, and that's right. I, I didn't think about that at the moment, like, you know, because it was like, you know, on the, on the spell of the moment and I had the money. Well, that's the other thing. So when he asked you for the money, what was it for? It was for, uh, he was um,
2: going to come back to uh, Britain from, uh, from uh, Afghanistan and it actually happened exactly when Britain was taking all the people away from Afghanistan okay. and he was sending some packages and they went through, um, uh, through customs. And then he needed the money at that time for, the, for me
1: to send, you know, for, to the customs. Okay, so here's another red flag. Drop it and stop. If they say they have a package and they need to get money because it's gotten stuck in customs, it is a scam. Happened to me, I sent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the two years to get things through customs.
2: Yeah. Well, I only sent two thousand American dollars and then, like you know, he actually left or uh, in 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 this story <laughs> in the story. He left um Afghanistan and ended up in Ghana.
1: Well, that's a red flag.
2: and that went like okay. and but I still didn't. Uh, well, by that time when he was in Ga- when when he told me that now I'm in Ghana and I'm in trouble, this and this and that, that was already a second scam, basically. But I didn't know already that he was a scammer. But I was okay. still
1: talking to him. So when you say you were talking to him, when I say it was through like messaging, were you actually talking on the phone? I was talking on the
2: phone and I was also chatting on Skype. But uh, there was no picture because okay. he said that was security. A security thing that they didn't have a uh, like, or it was bad, um, uh, some kind of a bad uh, connection. So we didn't have a video, but I was I was chatting with him, and uh, I was also talking with him on the phone every day. And how about the accent? Uh, well, he has a he had a very good, pretty accent. Incredible. He was, and he understood my Finnish jokes. <laughs> This is, this is really hard on a person who would not be able to, you know, have this language.
1: And see, here's another thing, folks that are listening. The scammers are not uneducated bumpkins sitting in some cafe in Nigeria. They are university-trained men and women. Yeah, and plus, I am p- quite sure
2: that it was not only him because I was talking to three men at the same time, at the end. How, how did there that were happen? There were three people. Uh, like you're on the other side of the phone. When I told him that this is like you know, when we were talking about um, uh, about marketing, okay. for example, and when he told me that have I read the book this this one book in marketing which which is used in um, at the uh, Stanford for okay. marketing, and I uh, we were talking, we were exchanging names of the books which we had read on marketing. Okay. And he had another other person, uh, two other men there, uh, laughing at the same time with him.
1: You know, that's, the it, phone. that's interesting. So it's. Uh, I, I think it was a group. Well, I'm sure it was. And it's interesting to me that he was talking about marketing because I remember I had conversations about business plans. We were actually doing a business plan for my, my guy, you know, his, his business. So it was business oriented. It wasn't all love. It was business. And that's why the money that I'd sent was for his business Um, and to get him home sooner so that we could get to meet, but uh, it was all business transactions and, but the custom stuff and tariffs and delays and all that, those are definitely red scams, uh, red scams, red, uh, red flags. So you felt when you were sending the money, you had your son get involved. Tell us how you yes, got sent, involved. Yes, I sent the
2: moment I sent that money. I thought, well, you know, this is something's now fishy. It's not good. Like you know, and I sent my, I sent all the information to my son in England, and I said, you know, just investigate behind his back because he's so nice, and everything is so good that if he, if he actually is a real person and if this is true, then I don't want to stop it. And right. then then uh, he sent me an email, not very long after that, that, Mom, I'm very sorry, but this is a scam. And yeah, all the, all the, um, all the uh, links, so that you see what I had looked look into. And uh, But, Mom, don't click the links. Just concentrate on the good feeling he's making you feel. What,
1: what were the links?
2: Yeah, well, there was a link to all his um, pictures. Because it was a, a, you know, where the pictures had oh. been found. Then there was a link to people who actually had, had referred to him as a scammer. Not one of those references was about how, like, you know, I'm horrified that this is a scammer. Most of them they were like, this was the best person that they made me feel this was, like, you know, they were so positive about the scammer.
1: <laughs> so it was basically he was sending you the proof. To say, if you want, this is the proof. These are the pictures. Um, And it's interesting that you didn't look at them. Yeah, because he told me not to. Well, he wanted you to keep that lovely feeling. Exactly. (laughs) And that's interesting. But in the end, I did
2: look at them when I was uh, writing my book. Then I went to the links, and I was found. I found like you know the people were very impressed with his skills, and he was such a such a, such a gentleman. It made them feel good. So actually, he did a really good job as a, as a scammer. He did the best possible scam because if you the 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 uh, that you know I paid money for him paying the the scammer. He had to be and do his job
1: really well. Yeah. Well, yeah. they're experts at what they do. And if they could do for good what they do for bad, they'd be phenomenal. Oh, yes. They'd yeah. be phenomenal. Um, and what was interesting is that, you know, they, I remember we have a mutual friend, Sharon Armstrong. Yes. And Sharon, when she uh, went from Australia, New Zealand, New Zealand, over to yes. Argentina, to Argentina, um, and was given that package, she yes. trusted. Her guy, that she didn't look in the package, she didn't look in the suitcase. Exactly. Tent. Yeah. And, and exactly. You know, the outside world. And he different. said to her, he said to him, "Have a look." Exactly, but she didn't want to. She didn't want to do that because she didn't want to feel like she wasn't trusting him. Exactly. And then what happens? She gets picked up with customs and a drug bust. So folks, if you want to read and see an incredible story of another friend of ours from New Zealand, Sharon Armstrong, she was actually picked up. In Argentina, as a mule, she was on her way out of the country to go see her guy, her suitcase, her suitcase was picked up by the, the drug dogs, and she spent two years in an Argentinian prison. Again, a brilliant, beautiful woman in the government, worked in New Zealand in a top position, was taken. So do not believe that you are not subject to being scammed.
2: You yeah, are. She,
1: but on the other hand, she's now alive and not yeah. dead in some, some scholar in London or somewhere. Exactly. So she's got her story and she's a huge advocate in New Zealand. Um, we've all connected through the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams yeah. or scars. Uh, But you're speaking up. Elena, why did you write your book? What was the point to your book? Well, I'm a researcher and as a researcher,
2: actually, woke up in me after I found out that he is a scammer. I wanted to know, like, you know, what, what, how does it work? Why do they do it? And uh, how does it feel? And things like that. I, I really wanted to find out. And that's why I started, I kept talking to him for about a month until I sort of understood. First of all, I understood that the police, uh, whom I said I could help you could not help me. And they were always telling me, no, no, you won't get your money back. I said, it's not about the money. I want to help you in finding it, uh, finding and, and seeing. But they, they didn't really want my help. And then I felt uh, like that, that now it's gone to the end. And then I decided that since I'm a researcher, I should research it. And I should now educate myself about scams. And, um, and I always wanted to actually write a book. And I have been thinking of what books <laughs> I should write in English. That was my first book I ever wrote in English. Wow. And then, yeah, and then so I needed some friends uh, to, you know, some editing, because, of course, I'm not really good at editing English. And, um, and uh, so uh, I met an, a woman's group. And uh, my very good friend, Chris... She told me that you should really write a book about this. You should, and now I'm, and, and she, she was really supportive, and she even edited, you know, did a huge job in editing and making sure uh, that that the book was published. And um, yeah, and uh, I I feel really good at um, that I've written it because now I am I, I've said what I wanted to. I have actually read another written uh, wrote, written another book too but it's it hasn't been published we've been talking about that with Tim right with well, Tim. Uh, yeah but um but I think that this book particularly was very important but because it's not actually a sort of like a story book even if it has a even if it has a sort of a system on how I survived like writing again my story in, like, you know, in fantasy, because it was a fantasy, so I made my own, myself another fantasy. But also it was researching uh, things, quite feministic, I think, is like, you know, from the woman's point of view of what's happened and, and, um, and connecting the links together. And um, I'm pretty happy about it. And then it was translated into Finnish. Oh. I, I translated it with my ex-husband. We did a lot of work together, and we translated it into Finnish. Uh, and then it is—it uh, was in uh, uh, eighteen. It came out in Finland, and it was called "Sudan Salina." The heart, as a uh, heart, as a um, uh, what is it term in English now? Um, <laughs> I'm really bad at translating. Uh, you know, yeah, but anyway. And so it was translated into Finnish, and um, and it was very well received here too. So and that, I did work with the police in the Australia,
1: and also I worked with the police in Finland. So that was my next question: How did they receive you when you came in to report it, and then afterwards, when you come out and you're doing all this research? What, how are they using you, or or not? And how did? They no, you? I
2: said that when I had. Well, first of all, when I had my um, my scamming experience and I was taking contact, I reported it as I should. I was talking to the people, to the police in Australia, and they said, you know, you never get your you never get your money back. As then I terminated my idea. But while I started uh, while I started writing my book, I actually found a group in in Brisbane where I lived at the time, which was at the police station. So uh, once a month, we had this huge group about scamming and and that was actually police led. And there was a very nice uh, officer who who was pretty much involved. And we had all these lecturers coming in and talking about scams and everything around it in in Brisbane. We also had a a big seminar where, for example, our uh, New Zealand friend came and gave a speech. <laughs> and uh, we were all there, uh, you know, in this seminar because they've done quite a lot of research at the university about scamming. And I met all these people. And so it became like um, everyday life for me. And that, uh, through that, I feel like I was um, surviving much better, that I wanted to talk about it. To other people, and I wanted it to be public. And so I can say that the police then, after this group started working very well, but of course the money ran out and now they don't have the group anymore. So, and also um, there was a, a TV program at the time about scamming. And so it was quite, quite much a topic. In Australia, when I came to Finland, I was, uh, Finland is much smaller. It's like five and a half million people here and everything is very concentrated. So you just meet one person. You need to just know one police officer who's taking care of these things, you know. It's not like in Australia or in you in, um, know uh, America where every state has every other law. In here, it's only one law. And uh, they are very
1: helpful. That, that's important because both of us have um, been confronted with the victim blame, the victim shame, and I found that that shuts people down faster than any other thing that happened in the scam. Well, the Our thing topic. is that what, what, what I found is that it's, it's the
2: uh, social media is the worst. Hmm. and I belong to the group in in here where like you know people who were born in the 50s and I put out my actually it was my ex-husband who put this posting about the book when it came in and you should have seen the negative comments they were incredible and out of like it seems to be like you know people who just want to be negative they don't give this and other people then can't talk to you but then in the secret I started getting lots of messages from people who actually had had um, experience scamming. so they don't really want to talk because of the shame. Because, like you know, they they be uh, blamed for being victims. It's just like rape. It is yeah. yeah. similar, similar kind of like you know. You have to you have to prove yourself. You know, yeah. And In and Finland, yeah, they, we got different laws for rape, for example. They they are now fix that law <laughs> but uh, but um but it is like how it feels and in australia they actually have a research done where they use the same method uh, where they refer to rape cases like
1: you know in the scam yeah and, and we've had that discussion with our support groups too and and rape is a very um i don't know it it it, it brings up connotations it's a very emotional word Exactly. And we're not saying that what happens with online relationships is a rape necessarily, but it is a violation that feels very personal. I mean, for me, it was, and I've heard you talk about this. It's the trust that's been ripped from you. Is your heart? Exactly. It's your emotions, and it's an emotional uh, victimization that you know leads to the whole. Uh, it's. There's so much involved physically too. And and that's why it's so important. And both of us have realized is that it's so important to, to own what happened, to speak up about what happened and not be ashamed of it. Because the only thing we did wrong was say yes to a request, you know, either a dating site or a friend request, wherever people are the, once we said yes, then whoever's on the other end of the scam has got you hooked. They know, yeah. It. I don't know that's if God. you know about this. There's this, um,
2: uh, like you know, the, the concept of true believer. Do you know about that? N- no, the true believer believes that all the other people we have been actually, like in Australia and Finland, we have been brought up in a way to believe that other people do act truthfully, yeah. Well, yeah, so that's a true believer. We do believe that when you meet a person online, they are also truthful. They actually do actually want to meet you online. They do want to, uh, you know, uh, be positive. They want to have a relationship. And then they you they actually even if they say that you know I have a business here and can you can you just um, give me this money so I can come and see you, they believe that
1: that's true. Yeah, now we do. So true believer. so we do so here we're and we've talked about this too as far as you know the stranger danger and being skeptical and all that it's we don't have a manual for being online yet and we we want to be kind we want to be friends uh we want to have these relationships because we trust in the goodness of people however there is the other side of the veil here that is evil and They're banking on us being kind because they know how to manipulate and take.
2: Exactly.
1: And I think that it will take a couple of generations
2: actually to before they, before the young people are educated in being online the right way. and being able to, it, it's not us. We're we sort of not going to do it anymore. but, but younger people are, are better. But also, as as
1: the data shows, there's a lot of scamming happening with very young people. Absolutely, and we see that all the time now with the whole cryptocurrency and what we call the pig butchering, where it's the financial scams. There's a little bit of love and emotion involved, but it's all it's the let's uh, let's get this investment. I'm doing well on this investment. Can you, you want to invest with me? Exactly. And the young folks are losing it, and they're they're but. It's interesting, the, the difference of the age groups, and Tim and I were talking about this the other day, that the, the younger ones, if, you could, if they've been taken, and then you explain to them what happens, then you say, you know what, you're 25 years old, you have a lifetime ahead of you to make something good out of this bad experience. You have yeah. an opportunity and time to make your money back. Yeah. So don't waste it. Don't waste that time. Uh, our age group, you know, we're in starting looking at retirement. A lot of our women are already in retirement. They're giving up because they're like, we don't have time. We don't have time to get our money back. But my parents are in their 80s and 90s. I got 30 more years. We got time, right? Yeah. Yeah, But
2: but also they said, said, like, you know, in the mindset of people, there's a difference between if you are scammed, uh, like with the romance or if you are scammed financially. Yeah. Because you know when you're scammed financially it's it's more appropriate to be scammed financially than with the uh, with the um uh, you know uh romance because romance is about your feelings and how you uh, your dopamine but financial that's serious you know. Like, well, and, and that's what you know and that doesn't give you such such um shame feeling of shame as by being robbed of your private you know thoughts
1: and your private uh, um, emotions. Maybe so, but I've got a financial friend who's listening to this show and she was taken in a in a big scam and, and I know she's just wigging out right now saying, I had those feelings of shame. I was a professional yeah, I'm sure. and it didn't happen to me. So the point is there we can be scammed in so many different ways. And exactly. the, whole, the whole thing here is beware and be aware of what's happening out there. I think we put our blinders on. We don't want to see the bad, you know, yes. or we think like it's never going to happen to me. Well, yeah. Well, I'm fun. sure that, you know, people,
2: have, but like in Finland, for example, you talk to your friends and they can tell you quite a few people who have been including themselves who have been scammed by, somebody who's called them for, uh, to uh, update their <laughs> computer or, or done very simple things, but you know, very,
1: they, they fall on them day by day. Okay, so that's the thing. Tim and I are going to do a webinar this weekend on those immediate types of scams, which are the grandparent scam, the telephone calls, those things. Um, this brought up in my mind. When you s- tried to send the money out the first time, It didn't work. It didn't work. How did did, did the scammer react to that?
2: Yeah, that was also another thing. Uh, He became quite, quite um, violently, uh, you know, assertive on that one. He went like, you have to do, you have to fix it out. You have to go there now. You have to do it now. Uh, Very, very, like, uh, uh, it was... uh, very different from how he usually was with me. Do you think it might have been a different person? I'm sure. Because, because, I'm, because they, they, they are saying that you have about five people working for you. That's and then, you know, other ones, they call you. Other ones, they chat with you. Other ones, they do that and that. And then there would be uh, specialists.
1: So there's no he. It's they. No. It's they. No. It's they.
2: It's they. It's they. And I do have, uh, like you said, your, that you met this person actually, who is your scammer. Are you sure that it was exactly that person, or
1: it was he was one of the scammers? Well, I know it was that one of that day that confessed to me. Yeah, he came, he came up. Now, I, I I wasn't looking around the room to see if there was anybody else there. I had, was yeah. so blown away that I saw this one person, and I'm thinking, holy moly, what have I done? But like you. At that instant, that got the, it, you know, I was an Air Force intelligence officer and a banker. So all those roles came back, like when I hit that wall, when I saw him, it's like, okay, yeah. now how do I catch him? And then I wanted to know, how did they do it? I wish I had been a fly on the wall to see how they were doing it, which is exactly what you how you felt. You wanted to know yeah, how exactly they, how they did
2: it. I I wasn't uh, I did not care at all about the person actually
0: yeah about
2: the person who uh, who who it was I didn't want to see him I had lots of friends who wanted to see them and to make them apologize and everything I I didn't care about that I I was just caring that that this is such a big thing in the world and that other people can tell other people all these lies and they can, they can, ex- and they actually expect us to act in a personal way, in this particular way. We are so predictable to these people. Yeah. And I was really taken back by that.
1: I've, I I was thinking, I'm not so predictable, but I was. Everyone is. Question. When you understood it was, uh, you had been taken, you were, you yes. were scammed, uh, and you kept involved with them or, yeah what were you asking were you trying
2: to i was asking them? about the i was asking about the how how it worked and particularly i was asking about how he was marketing it to me and it went so long that we actually changed books names wow and, cool. and at the end i said, well when he this um the he was he was in Ghana then, and he was telling me that you know he has to sell his Rolex because he doesn't have any money. And I said, "You are telling me that you are general and uh, you don't uh, you are asking me for five hundred uh, uh, like you know, dollars." And if <laughs> and I said, "If you ask the same form from twenty people, like twenty women, you are you are asking them, then you make about ten thousand in a week. Well, that like, even if half of them give you this money." And we were like, it went into this particulars uh, in particulars. And, and then there was this uh, they, I also did a plan for how how this would go forward, because I wanted to see how much how long he will agree. And it went until the end. And, you know, uh, even when I then said to him that, OK, I know you are a scammer. It was wonderful, but it's not true. He still sent me a message saying, you are this is you are the best. I love you so much. I will never ever find another one like you.
1: Well, that's the end of it So you left it. Yeah. yeah, and here's another thing. It doesn't matter how much money we have lost. Is it a dollar? Is it a two million dollars? It's the point that we were taken for a dollar, you know, for yeah. any amount of money. And we're not going to get the money back. So, folks, if you've lost your money, don't plan on getting it back. It's a gift if you do. And I've seen some court cases now uh, recently when a judge uh, sentenced some scammers to quite a few years in jail, in prison. Uh, They were required to make restitution. Well, the scammer himself, the one little guy or five little guys we're talking to, they're not necessarily getting the money. You know? No. I sent money to Hong Kong, to England, to... I never sent money to Nigeria. I never sent money to Ghana, you know? Yeah, but the thing
2: is that the Ghana police and the Nigerian police is not wanting this money for us, Uh, the the, victims. They want the scammers pay taxes. So they want the tax money for themselves. That's what they're after. And that's why
1: they are... Going because we are, we got, we talk about millions, millions. Yeah. So they're getting the scammers arrested based on tax evasion. Yes. Not on <laughs> romance scams.
2: Exactly. So it does absolutely nothing to do with the victims.
1: No. So paybacks, excuse me. Uh, but it still doesn't help the victim any because we're not going to no. pay that money back. But here in the States, if there were a way, if they could capture the money, because many of the mules, when I was in Dallas, uh for the court case out there we saw the the videos of them counting cash and you know that that money was was exactly taken and found uh but was that money ever given out to the victims well we have a friend that was part of that lawsuit and hopefully one day she'll get you know a little bit back um we're never going to be made whole so the point is how do we how do we um prevent people from even taking the first bite how do we in Finland in Finland if you are right at
2: you know complaining to your bank in a right moment they can do transactions they can trace the money but if people are for example they've come from um, from Estonia or Lithuania or when they came here and they've taken a um, uh, a particular, and they, they have their IDs in Finland, and then they do the scamming from Finland, and then they go away from Finland immediately, you can't get your money back. But if they happen to have uh, some kind of um, accounts which can be accounted for, and which can be traced, then there are some possibilities here to get your money back.
1: Well, I sure hope so, because the, we need training. and. I think my problem was, is I I was familiar, I was a banker, so I knew my way around the banking system and I would bounce down from bank to bank. I believe with with training, even that the scammers want things fast. You found it, right? It's urgent. Everything is urgent. So do it quick. I remember being at the bank and the wire transfer wasn't going through and I was getting messages, emails saying, well, try this, try this SWIFT number, try this, you know, the urgency, get it to go, get it to go. And then when you, when you get yeah. it done, send me, send me the paperwork saying it was done. Yeah. Well, when I did that, silly me, I obviously whited out my bank account number on yeah. the paperwork and then sent them the paperwork. But I'm thinking, oh my gosh, Deb, you just sent this guy $50,000 and you were concerned about your bank account number? <laughs> <laughs> he's going out, he's getting it. Um, But the bankers, even though my friends, they were so wrapped up in the story that they didn't even question the wires. And I never exactly. wired money out my entire life. They were, they were saying, when he gets here, we want to meet him. You know, they were, they were right there with me. Exactly. It's so, interesting. It's interesting. Yes. And then, you know, afterwards you
2: have people who say, oh, you were stupid. And they were encouraging you.
1: And that's it. And, and that when someone tells us that we were stupid, that we should never have done this, uh, it's easy for others to say that. And I don't yeah. know if they are trying to make us feel bad or making themselves feel a little better that they didn't do it. Yeah. I don't know. It's
2: it's it's weird, I think. Quite, quite. And um, I, I haven't figured it out yet why there is so much resentment there. Is it because is it because people are feeling that you know they are better than you and they want to be better than you? And they don't they can't themselves believe that they would ever do it because they are so good at these things. And they can't admit it to themselves that they can actually do wrong. Right. I haven't figured it out yet. Why? Why can't you say that okay, we all have to learn? I have to educate myself.
1: I do every day because they're, yeah. they're But you know,
2: it's it's everyone's. I think that it is your uh, your duty in your life to educate yourself about this because we're coming up with so many new technical te- technological things. Like you know, the war now going on in uh, in uh, and all these cyber cyber attacks and and whatever. It just came out today that they that that was the thing why eurovision contest had five countries who didn't were able to take uh, talk about it on the phone
1: <laughs> yeah well you have yeah, so, got to be careful and and here's the thing i like to tell people too is they, they think it's not going to happen to them and that's wonderful i hope it never happens to them yeah but exactly it could happen to their mother their father their daughter their son their best friend yeah and, if, and i think
2: that they should be they should acknowledge that, and that you know, it's everyone's own in, in everyone's own interest to educate themselves. It's even though that they think that they know it, there's always new uh, new information, always new technology, quicker technology, and the and the scammers are always ahead of you. They they uh, because it's a job. They it's their their job to learn everything and to be ahead. And uh, psychology, like, you know, how the psychology work. If you say one thing, they're going to take it to themselves and they're going to, it's going to reflect on how, how the next
1: person is going to be scammed. Absolutely. They have playbooks yeah. and they sell them and they, they, know, they know how to do it. And we know how to prevent it. We know how to make people aware. It's just we've got to get the word out. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful for what you're doing in Finland and in Australia. I'm grateful for Sharon in New Zealand for all the scars organizations around the world. Uh, We've we have an international audience today that know it's happening. But until we are strong enough to accept it that it happened to us, and then take our pain and turn it into a purpose Mm -hmm. and a passion which you and I yeah. have because I spend more of my day with the woman behind the smile and scars stuff than I do with my company. And <laughs> I don't get any money for this. This is pure love for others because I don't like it when I'm, I feel horrible when I get an email from someone that says, I heard your story. I wish I had heard it before. That. Yeah. I so, yes, and
2: I do get, I get um, maybe from two to three um, uh, messages each week from people who have either read my book or uh, or found me somewhere online or uh, there's also quite a lot of different uh, media. Uh, it's, it's lovely that, you know, media finds you too. So now I'm going to, going as an experienced, uh, <laughs> knowledgeable person you know so uh, and i've been asked all these questions so it's it's going forward it is
1: and not like a victim anymore and but it's taken a while it's eight years now <laughs> yeah for me it will be 10. so yeah there's light at the end of the tunnel so for the survivors that feel like they're still a victim you're not a victim okay you're exactly and the life goes on life has that's to go on thing. it has yeah. to go on and you have got to move forward one step at a time you know, don't judge your, your progress by where Elena and I are, it's been eight years and 10 years. So if you're only into it two months, I'm grateful that you recognize what happened and that you're taking the steps to put yourself around people that will support you because you do not want to be around those naysayers. You do not want to be around anybody that's going to put you down because that will stop your progress. It'll stop your recovery. And Elena, you've recovered. Did at any point, this is a little personal. Did you have a therapist, or was it just family or friends? How did you personally get through the betrayal? Of the- I never had a therapist. <laughs> I did study about
2: therapy, though. I and I did um, the, <laughs> in my second book how uh, I did it with the, with the different. Um, like I'm I'm a researcher, though. I basically made a research program out of it. And I get I did do a lot of hours in finding out what kind of um, different methods I could find to become like you know feel better about it and uh, not only me but how how I how I felt that other people also would be able to uh, use these methods of survival okay from there and it, it did it, I put lots of lots of time in research and I think that Because of that, I had distanced myself from my own case and taking it as my research case. That was helped me. That was my therapy, I think. Exactly. With with Sharon, she went to prison for two years. Goodness she could not be involved in anything. And she basically distanced herself. (laughs) Wow. Pretty much.
1: Yeah. You know, you hear about her story and then that's when you start feeling grateful for your own problem. You know, we've all been through something and it's, it's been very hurtful and and distressing to ourselves, to our families. You know, when you're a victim, you're not the only one. It's your whole family. It's your circle of friends. It's your community. Everybody becomes a victim when one person is taken. And so it's incumbent upon us to stand up and speak up and, and get the word out. And I so appreciate what you're doing. We can find your book called Love on the Line, and I can't read the fine print. It's got a long section. It's on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon. Yeah, it says how to recover
2: from romance scams gracefully and without victimization. There you go. And I did, this is extended and re-edited, and the team has the introduction on this.
1: It will be a, a scars production at some point also, and uh, I did see a, a remark on Amazon that said this is a research project. Yeah, it's not, it's not a story of her of necessarily of her scam. It is a research project. And that's what you did. You researched it. Exactly. And you've got some great information out there. I'm going to read it again. I encourage people to go to Amazon and look for Alina Yusola. Love on the line. Dot that, that. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> and and you're, tell me how you feel about it. And, the, and you're getting more involved with SCARS, which again is the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams. I am. On an yeah. international level, we are coming at it from all countries and all continents. Yes. And Alina, and I really, I so appreciate your, your new friendship and what you've done. And I encourage you to stand up and speak up in Finland and in America, in New Zealand, and Australia, to our Australian friends
2: way I can. I am very, and thank you very much, uh, Debbie, for inviting me. I am really pleased to be able to uh, talk about this.
1: Love on the Line is Lena Yuzola. It has been a fabulous conversation. Thank you so much for being with us. And it's been a great Stand Up and Speak Up day. Thank you for listening to Stand Up and Speak Up. We are dedicated to encouraging you to remove the mask of embarrassment and to being your best self. If you are the victim of a scam or cybercrime, Please visit againstscams.org for assistance and guidance about options and recovery. SCARS, the Society of Citizens Against Relationship Scams, is an incorporated nonprofit crime victims assistance organization based in Miami, Florida, supporting scam victims worldwide. If you can, make a small donation to help victims around the world receive the help they need. This episode has been sponsored by BenfoComplete.com, a vitamin supplement company that supports happy and healthy hands and feet for those with neuropathy. If you or anyone you know struggles with the pins and needles or numbness in their hands and feet, check out our benfoteming products at benfocomplete.com. Use the special code STANDUP for a 5% discount on your purchase. Again, thank you for being with us today. Go to my website, The Woman Behind the Smile, for additional resources and information. Subscribe to my YouTube channel and enjoy the replays. My books are all available on amazon.com and audible, and I encourage you to join us again. Have a great day.